Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Leah with Between the Sheets, and I, you know, get to do whatever the hell I want to do, and that's what we're doing today. I have a guest here that I am so very excited about, and we really just decided to do this on a whim. Whim, whim. A really big (laughs) whim, but uh, what I do want to say is that I don't know, I do know that a lot of people have met somebody bypassing in a room that they just felt so connected to. And when I met this woman a couple weeks ago, I felt that energy and um, I was very drawn to her, probably more so than anybody else in the room. And we were able to connect and chat and uh, talk over the phone. And uh, I just kind of started to stalk you just a tad bit in your, um, your, 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 yes, girl, um, just your, your Instagram profile and, and who you were and what you were about. And I was very drawn to it. So I'm very excited to have you on the show and we're going to kick it off and get right into it. I'll be introducing this lovely lady in just a second. Let's kick it off guys. cute it's cute she said that was cute, cute. I like it. <laughs> Mimi the motivator hey. that's uh that's what you go by Mimi the motivator your favorite motivators favorite motivator you got it girl it's a mouthful but yeah it's um, all of it but it <laughs> resonates like my favorite motivators favorite motivator yes so Mimi, I want to I want to just dive right in because this is my opportunity to really get to know you, what you're about, what you're bringing to the community, what you're bringing to minorities, what you're bringing to people that are ready to heal their life. And um, so I want to I want to start with your beginning, if you're okay with that, because I hear a little country accent. Oh, you do. (laughs) (laughs) So dive in, lady. Tell me where you're from. Tell me a little bit about your background. Okay, so I have lived in two states my entire life. I know nothing about living in one place Mm -hmm. so I am the only one in my family who talks like this okay (laughs) so my little brother his family talks like this and that's why I talk like this okay because his aunts and uncles they're from Mississippi okay so I was raised by his father for quite a the first few years of my life Mm -hmm. but when it was time for me to learn how to speak Mm -hmm. it was a lady who talks like this Mm. She talks very soft and very southern, like, mm-hmm. you know, you just feel like you should ask for some iced tea. <laughs> oh, bless you, child, bless yes, you. Yes, <laughs> bless your heart. You know, so I'm not as twangy as she may be, but I'm definitely twangy. It drives my grandmother nuts. I say it all the time, and it's something I keep saying, I'm not going to say that anymore. Because it's programming, you know. But, but you still do, but yeah, you still do. It, I love it. It happens. It's programming, you know. But everywhere I go, people love it. Yeah. So, I love it. I love accents. I love accents. I think I'm very drawn to accents. People will tell me that I have an accent, but um, I, I don't hear it. That's for sure. Maybe it's the Colorado uh, Latina accent. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. So Mississippi. Yes. So, okay. But I was raised in Nashville, Tennessee, mm. in Tampa, Florida. Those are the two places that I invested the most of my life. Mm-hmm. I lived in California. I was born in Columbus, Ohio, conceived in Minnesota, and I went, as soon as I was born, at some point in time, we went to Minnesota. By the time I was 10 months, I had been in my third city, Mm. I want to say, and I was living in Long Beach, California. Okay. So me and my dad were in Long Beach, and then we moved to Oakland, and then when I was about seven or eight years, about seven we moved to Tampa, Florida. Mm-hmm. So I lived a lot with my dad. I always kind of went back and forth between the parents until I realized my mom was not fit to be taking care of my little brother. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I cannot let this go down. Plus, I had a stepmother that was not excited about having a teenager because she was young. She was like in her early 20s. Mm. And she was not cool with having this kid that she had to take everywhere with her mm-hmm. because my dad was out there living his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So I have bounced back and forth between the two the majority of my life, and I still go there on a regular basis. I spent about six months out of the year to in Nashville. Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when I'm in Nashville and I'm talking to Nashville people, I talk very Nashville. Yeah. 
When I'm talking to Tampa people, I talk real Tampa, and it, it and, and the accent <laughs> like change. a chameleon. Yeah, so yes. it depends on who I'm talking to yeah. is what come out, mm-hmm. you know. But if I'm talking to some people, then you know I'm very you know code switching possibly, <laughs> which I don't do really much anymore because it's it requires too much energy, mm. and I like to reserve my energy for other things. So yeah. now people just hear the accent, and I just talk how I talk. This I is how I am. Take me or leave me. I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's you. Yeah, yeah. So. Sounds like you had a little bit of a um, would you say um, I don't want to say troubled I don't think it's a maybe it is a word trouble but trouble it's a, definitely so t- <laughs> talk to me a little bit about that because I believe that uh, so much of what we grow to be in our adulthood and the women that we are the people that we are that w- what we come to be is derived from our childhood. Mm-hmm. And because I, I want to get there, we're, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna slowly could, get there. We, but we go there. Um, so yes, I was raised very transient. Mm-hmm. So never knowing when it was going to be time to pack up my bag and mm-hmm. go. So first of all, I would go between the parents. So if I lived like when I got to school age, if I lived with one parent during the school year, then anytime I was not in school, I was with the other parent. Mm-hmm. So that was the case. For years, so I, I would bounce back and forth. I would spend, you know, a few grades here and then a few grades there, and living in those two different places were two totally different experiences. Mm-hmm. By the time I was about thirteen, my dad had joined middle class, so we had a pool in the backyard at some point. You know, when I was in high school, I think that's when we got the the second house. Mm. Now with my mom. We might live with this guy, and then next thing you know, it's time to go live with this guy, and mm-hmm. then we went to go live here. You know, I remember coming home one time, or not coming home because there was no home. Mm. And she was trying to explain it to me, like she picked me up from the airport or whatever the case was that time, and she was driving, and she was trying to explain something. I, I don't know what I was hearing, but whatever it was, I did not hear that we were homeless. Mm. And I didn't even figure out that I was homeless until I was homeless as an adult. And like, why? wait, hold on. Why is this happening to me? Mm. I was in graduate school with custody of a teenager. Wow. And now we don't have anywhere to live. I have a house, but we can't stay in it because the pipes have burst. The house needs to be winterized. We had not stayed there for a few months. And this happened while we were not there. Wow. So we didn't have a home to go back you home You said you to. were in school? Like yes, you were, okay. I was in graduate school, okay. getting my MBA, mm. you know. But as a kid at the age of 13, that was the first time I was homeless. So my mom pulls up to my aunt's house, and I go in there, and it's a lot of people in there. Mm-hmm. Now, my mm. aunt had three children where her oldest child never lived with her, but for some reason was there. Now, we're going to rewind just a few months sure. back me and my three cousins were hit by a motorcycle. So the oldest child and the youngest child were in cast. So maybe that's why they were at my aunt's house. Just, I'm, I'm connecting some dots, mm, y'all. Those epiphany <laughs> moments. Yeah, because I couldn't figure out why was my big cousin there. Because she was never, she was rarely there. She would come and visit like for the weekend mm-hmm. or something. But she was raised by her grandmother. So I come in. It's my aunt, her three children. This big, tall, white guy that looked like the man off of Popeye's, <laughs> my mama, my little brother, and this other white guy that looked like Popeye friend. No, he looked like Popeye himself. So I'm like, what is going on? And by the way, y'all, my mama is a brown-skinned woman. She good and black, and her sister is good and black. And these were good and white, white men. These wasn't like no, no thuggish, you know, type of white men. No, one was very mm. military. He was in the Army or something, mm-hmm. so... Uh, and the other one was very redneck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just, I literally said, what's going on here? I didn't know what was going on. And I just knew I was not going to be a part of it. My mom had a friend that lived about a mile down the road. Mm-hmm. I knew his phone number by heart. I called him. I said, Uncle Percy, I think I need somewhere to stay. Mm. He said, well, come on, baby. Mm. So I literally took my suitcases and I said, all right, I'll see y'all later. And they was like, what, you, what, what you talking about? Yeah. Mm. I just said, I said, I'll see y'all later. I'm going to go down. I'm going to go to Uncle Percy's house. I didn't say I was moving. I didn't say, mm-hmm. I didn't you say didn't come nothing. Back. I didn't come back. No, <laughs> I was, yeah. I, I was not going to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. I made that decision mm-hmm. and I knew that Uncle Percy's house was a safe space. So I went there and I lived there until my mom got her life together. And I still was like 
Hmm. I'll come and spend the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know. You need and to. And she just kind of let you go? She let you, or she didn't really have a say? I was the type of child that you did not argue with. Mm. I was a very good child, and I did all the right things. And if I had made a, a stark decision on something, mm-hmm. my parents did not argue with me. Mm-hmm. Like, when I started watching the news too much and airplanes were flying out the sky, I said, I'm not flying. Mm. So they had to drive and meet in the middle in Georgia somewhere because mm. I refused. Mm-hmm. I was a little small kid that was way, way smaller than everybody else, but I was a firecracker and I did not play. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my parents knew that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. So living with your uncle, is it, you said uncle Percy, uncle Percy, uncle Percy. So living with your uncle Percy and, um, you eventually made your way to, you know, you graduated school. Yes. And, um, which commendable being in circumstances like that. Yeah. Number one, my neighborhood, I come from a zip code in Nashville where they did this study up in New York at the Brookings Institute. And the results were that one out of every seven of us that were born 1980 to 1986 were destined to be in prison by our thirties. And it has been a very, very, very real number for the majority of the people in my life, my friends, my best friends from high school who were also in graduate school still ended up being locked up, mm. you know, just all kind of craziness. You know, yeah. I live next door to a family where, you know, in the kitchen, you go in the kitchen and there's dope being cooked on the stove and this kid sitting there eating cereal at the table, mm. you know, and probably if you go over there today, 20 some odd years later, it's probably the same thing still going on. I would not be surprised. Mm-hmm. It's their way of life, you know, so I grew up seeing that kind of experience on a regular basis. And so there was three of us from my neighborhood that graduated from high school, and it was like this huge deal. And we all went off to the same college, which was a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And we remember being in college, like, feeling like, do we even belong here? Now, granted, I was probably the smartest person in my school. I probably got the highest grade. It was only one person that got a higher ACT score than I did. Mm. Did you find that education was kind of an out for you? Yeah. As as funny as that sounds, I've heard it one other time before when we were uh, interviewing somebody and, you know, people find outings in, in drugs and like the streets or in, you know, but you found it in education. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because I knew of nothing else. I knew that I was smart. You know, I started reading and telling, telling time and tying my shoe by the age I was four. Mm. I was reading books like they were going out of style. It was pissing my mom off. She would buy like these little kids set books mm-hmm. that she would think would last me a few weeks. Yeah. It would last me to the end of the day, wow. maybe to the end of the week. So by the time I was seven, she was buying me like Moby Dick and Tom Sawyer and big fat novels because she was like, you're not going to keep on eating up my money like this. Mm-hmm. You know, when she would send me to school, she'd have to prepare the teachers like you need to have extra work for her, mm-hmm. you know. So if they called and was like, well, she's bothering the other kids or she's talking, my mom like, well, did you give her some extra assignments? Mm-hmm. They were like, well, no, we can't do that by law. My mom was like, well, don't call me. Click. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is your mom still living? No, she's not. No, she, she, how, how long ago? Um, this year, uh, March 7th marked 15 years. Mm. That's OG me, me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, what in your what in your childhood like so and I'm sure that we could probably dive into multitude of stories just based on the conversation that yeah. I've already just heard you know um, what have you taken from your childhood and how has that helped you develop as a person that you are right now? It's my north star. Mm-hmm. It's my guiding post. It's what drives me. It's my why. It's what hurts me. Mm-hmm. You know your why your w h y. What hurts you? That's mm-hmm. what hurts me is that I never want to see a little girl grow up the way I did. Mm-hmm. I never want to see a young lady have to live the way that I had to live. Mm-hmm. I never want to see anybody have to live the way I did in my thirties. I've had, I had ups and I've had downs. I've been a base and I've been a bound. I've mm-hmm. been, I've been balling out of control and I've been like, Oh my God, where am I going to sleep tonight? Mm. In Colorado, I was homeless in Colorado when I first got here. I came here on business. Mm-hmm. And oh, I remember we talked, yeah. we chatted a little yeah. bit about that. Just you kind of so, come here on, on business and found out that it was not good business. Right. Ran and out of money. My business partner robbed the people that we had been doing business with because they did have money, although they had been telling us they didn't. Mm-hmm. He robbed them for $10,000 or something like that is what I was told. I don't know. And left me mm. high and dry. 
about a week or two later, everything that I had was stolen. All my clothes, the sheets, the towels, and everything. I had gone to the laundromat and went to the movie theater after with this guy. And when we came, I had this feeling in the movie theater, like I wanted to leave, but he didn't know how I was like spiritually then yet where I could just say, hey, it's time to go. Like my friends know if I say it's time to go, it's time to go because mm. probably something is either about to go down or mm-hmm. it's going down. Wow. We got outside. Everything I owned was gone. Laptop. I had nothing. This was in your apartment or your where you were where you were staying or where was this in a car? This was in a car. Mm. Yeah, the stuff was in the car because we went to the movie theater after the laundromat mm-hmm. and I came out of the movie theater and had nothing. Where did that take you? Ooh. Well, luckily, shout out to Abraham Hicks for programming me with the idea that everything is always working out for me. Mm. And I just kept saying that. Everything is always working out for me. Mm -hmm. The guy was like, how are you so calm? (laughs) Yeah. Did you believe it when you said it at that point? I did. Mm. Wholeheartedly. I had been living like a hermit, like a monk for like a, a little over a year. So I was like, hmm, I was super zen the fuck out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. It's all right, was, girl. It's all right. I was, Real raw <laughs> and authentic. Yeah, I was super zen. So I had just started reemerging and starting to do business again because people were what calling age were on you me. Right now? Um, at that age, I was about 36, I want to say. So back up for me. Just let's, let's go back a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, when... You know, growing up the way that you grew up, and, and, and when did you start finding solace? When did you start to find who you were? When did you start to evolve into the person that you are, okay. or, or learning, or, or gaining experience and wisdom, and, and really growing yourself? It started in about 2005, y'all. And I wasn't Mimi the motivator, I was Mimi Loot. <laughs> Mimi Loot. Mimi Loot. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I... I, what I tell people is that I read the Bible too much and I believed what it said because mm-hmm. I read it every single day. I was super Catholic. I took mass six days a week. Mm-hmm. I had an office in the church. Mm-hmm. I ran the before and after school program. I was the secretary of the National Black Catholic Congress. I was the, the list goes on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like they super know me in the church. They super know me in the community in Nashville. Mm-hmm. They super know me in the schools. Like they know me. They super know me in the hood, mm-hmm. you know, but um, I, it was very clear that I was not supposed to be working, mm-hmm. that I was supposed to be serving, that mm. I, uh, that I wasn't supposed to concern myself with money. It said that I didn't need to take a money bag, that I didn't need to have an extra tunic, that I didn't, that I didn't need to just go in and share the gospel, mm-hmm. which gospel means just the good news. Mm-hmm. So I just started sharing the good news at a, to the point where people were like, well, are you going to start a church? Mm-hmm. I said, I know too much to know that I don't even know what book to use at this point. Mm. I outgrew church. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even step foot in a church for a while. It was almost like traumatizing to hear them like, uh-uh, quit telling these people this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this mm-hmm. is fear. Stop doing That's blasphemy. Mm-hmm. You know, I really understood the word. Yeah. I could interpret it better than the priest. And I used to get uninvited to uh, uninvite, uninvited to Bible study. Okay. Uh-huh. I show up one time and you know, I'm gonna challenge the mess out of you. Cause mm-hmm. I, I, I understand it. I read it. It's mathematics. I got a yeah. degree in math and I don't do numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do logic. Mm-hmm. So I did not work. I stopped working and all I did was read books and, God, universe, somebody paid the bills. I can't even explain mm-hmm. it to you. My friends was weirded out. Everybody was weirded out. You were just taking care of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just was following the word. Yeah. I literally just believed what it said, and I started practicing it. Mm. So that took me away from Christianity because mm-hmm. Christianity is not practicing what Christ said. Mm-hmm. It's almost the opposite of. That's more like being a Pharisee or a Sadducee. Mm-hmm. That's why so many Christians are sad. You see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I see the. I saw, I see that. Yeah. Talk to me about that for a second. So, uh, when you say that it took you away, um, that you know that that it wasn't Christianity or it wasn't Christ. Like, what do you mean by that? If you really read the word, mm-hmm. 
And if you really listen and really believe what it says and don't look at it like, like I used to call it like Aesop's fable. Like I went through a whole teenage phase where I did not even believe in the Bible because my mathematical scientific brain couldn't conceive these things happening. Mm -hmm. How did this, how was all, was this person, wait, how long did this, yeah, you start to get very, like very logical or analytical of the, yes. But at the same time, I was the same person laying in my college dorm at the age of 18 saying, God, how can we get closer? Mm. How can I get to know you more? Mm-hmm. And what what can I do for you? Because, mm-hmm. man, you sure been taking care of me. Mm. So what can I do for you? Mm. That is so powerful. Yeah. Asking God, what can I do for you? Come on. Then it came up again for me in the Catholic Church. The message was about Mary making this hard yes. And I said, God, I want to make that hard yes. Mm-hmm. I was 26 at that point. I said, I want to make that hard yes. Mm-hmm. And I made it in love. It was an embarrassing ass. Yes, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was stepping into. Mm-hmm. The same way Mary didn't know what she was stepping into. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I was going to step into something that was going to be scary, that, it, that I was going to be mocked, that I was going to be crucified. Mm-hmm. So I've gone through all that. And that's how it goes. And then at some point they'll call you a saint. Mm-hmm. So now people are woke. So now they're waking up to the truth that I've been speaking for years now. Mm-hmm. So now I'm not crazy anymore. Mm-hmm. So now what I was saying is popular mm-hmm. when it was crazy back then. Mm-hmm. But I was willing to be crazy. I said I was willing to be like, um, what's his, what's my boy name, uh, John. I was willing to be John and, and be in the wilderness eating locusts and wearing camel hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was willing to build a boat in the middle of the desert when there's no sign mm-hmm. of water or rain. Mm-hmm. And get people to get on board and build it with me. Mm-hmm. And to pay for it. Wow. Wow. So where's this place that you say that you were being taken to, this place that you were about to walk into that you're, you're, you, you talked about being fearful of and you didn't know exactly where it was leading you? What, what did this look like? It led me within. Mm. That's where it led me. Okay. It led me to myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the Bible, they talk about the prodigal son and say he came to himself. I came to myself. Yeah. Not to my little self, not to my ego self, but to my higher self, to my highest mm-hmm. self. What does the word ego mean to you? Ego is, ego can be called the devil if you want it. Ego, mm. <laughs> you know, ego okay, is, girl. is that rah-rah voice that be in your head talking about, uh-uh, don't do that, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. It's got all the, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's, mm-hmm. that's ego. Yeah. Ego is telling you that you're better than somebody. Ego is telling you that somebody else is better than you. Ego is telling you that you're not enough. Ego is, is what allows us to judge. Mm-hmm. Ego is what we use these carnal eyes for. Mm-hmm. But when we're walking in spirit and seeing through spirit, we use our first eye. Mm. Do you feel like there's any part of ego that's good? You, it's necessary. Mm. How so? It's just like lightness and darkness. It's necessary. You need ego sometimes to make you do some things that that spirit is too too uh, you know <laughs> calm and passful. You know, you know, you know. Spirit is more like Glenda the Good Witch. Okay, mm-hmm. and then ego. Is Glenda the Good Witch sister, which people don't even realize that's Glenda the Good Witch sister, the, the wicked witch of the West. Mm-hmm. That's ego. Yeah. But without darkness, how can light shine? That's right. That's it right. doesn't. Because if you take, if you go outside and, and, and it's daylight and you uh, flash a flashlight, it is doing nothing at all. Mm-hmm. But if you take that flashlight in a very dark space. Mm-hmm. It'll light up the whole room. Come on. And, and, mm-hmm. and, it's, and everybody in there is going to be like, oh, my God, thank you. Mm-hmm. So even being light, you have to be willing to go in dark spaces. Mm-hmm. We grow in those dark spaces. Go ahead, keep dropping them in. <laughs> I'm about to hit all my buttons here until, until I know which one, which one it is. Let me see, let me see, did I get it? <laughs> I never get it right. <laughs> Uh, okay, <laughs> you like me this Saturday. I get worse when you want them to work. I never get it right. No, anybody knows when I hit the buttons, I never get it right. So I'm with you. <laughs> don't judge me. It's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. But no, this it's it's just the walk. It's the um, you said it earlier about about the journey mm-hmm. being singular. My dad raised me with that idea. He ingrained it in my brain so much that he hates it now that I say it to him. Life mm. is a singular journey. Mm. So my dad is the walking encyclopedia. I'm the walking Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. So my dad never stepped foot in a church except for when he got married to his first wife Mm -hmm. 
when my mom passed away, he came and we had a private mass with my spiritual father. It was the weirdest thing ever. Uh, and then he came to in the church for my mom's actual funeral. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I've never seen him in a church. Mm-hmm. You know, but dude know all the religions. He know all the stuff. He was talking about chakras when I was like a kid. Who even knew what he was talking about? He was mm-hmm. talking about self-actualization. What do you auras. What do you say to when, um, and, and, and I'm not just going to pick on Christian people here. No. I'm just going to say, what do you say when somebody says uh, um, the chakras are evil? That they, they, that they, you know, this this is from the devil. Or oh, this I is take from them the, to science. Because mm-hmm. it's science. Go ahead. Take take it there. Take it there. Okay. So what people don't realize is usually whatever spiritual is also scientific. And it's just depending on who you're talking to is what it is. Mm-hmm. So chakras are literally energy centers. Not just like random energy centers, but like literally balls of nerves. Like your nerve endings, it's, it's a lot more of them there in those spaces. Mm-hmm. So like that's why when you get a gut feeling... Because your mind is not just your brain. Your brain is only one part of your mind. That's right. You see what I'm saying? That's your your chakras being connected because your crown chakra is connected to your solar plexus. Mm-hmm. So if your solar plexus gets whim of something, it, it's going to signify here or vice versa. Your chakra, your crown chakra got a message from, from the most high. Of like, no, that ain't what you're supposed to do. That ain't, that. that's not the right dude. Mm-hmm. That's not the right girl. You get that feeling. You get mm-hmm. that gut feeling. Right. You see what I'm saying? It's all, everything is all connected, but mm-hmm. there are energy centers and these energy centers are tied to different glands. They're tied to emotions. They're tied to all kinds of things mm-hmm. like that can go on and on and on. It'll blow your mind how many things are connected. I think it's um, fascinating sometimes. Uh, and, I don't, and that's not even the word. I, I, and maybe it is. It's just that, uh, you know, when I'm learning more about everything, just everything, you know, I talked to you a little bit when we were just chatting about, you know, uh, quantum, uh, quantum physics. And um, I've really kind of taken a dive into that understanding um, the, the actual what we're made up of, you know, and the majority of what we're made up of is energy, not actually matter. And um, I think it's just it, it maybe it's that it benevolence me that people don't think that God wouldn't use what he made, like what God made Come on. and, 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 you know, like everything It's like, you know, from when, when people say astrology is, you know, I'm like, it, it, it predates religion. It's, it's the stars been there. Yes. You know and what they I mean? Move in the same pattern in the same something like this is that science. Mm-hmm. Astrology is science. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the first purest forms of science. If mm-hmm. you go, it goes way back to Kemet, to Egypt. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the sciences come from Egypt. Mm-hmm. All of the yoga, all of the, all of that, mm-hmm. because it's it's what I call ancient technology. And the more you start having a desire to know that kind of stuff is going to start coming mm-hmm. to your awareness. Oh, that's so, first, so true. That's so <laughs> true. First you just hear somebody say it and you think it's kind of crazy, you know, and then you hear it again. Circa, and then, uh, coincidence. Quince- right. Oh, my gosh, that must be a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Ain't no such thing as a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe the 100%. Like, I don't believe that there was a coincidence that you and I met in the room, that you're here right now, that there is, I just do not, I believe that everything was destined, that even so, and this is where people start to call me woo-woo, is that, I believe that, like, let's just take it, like, if we were given this journey, okay, mm-hmm. if we were given this journey as a gift, yes. okay, that before we entered into this world, let's just say that your spirit stood up and that there was a wall of stuff, mm-hmm. okay, this is kind of what was shown to me, that there's this wall of things that you get to choose from. Mm-hmm. Now, you may choose this right here, Okay, because you know that, you know, hey, this is going to give you strength and this is going to give you, you know, authority and this is going to give you, you know, so much, but it's going to come with this. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't really, you know, well, your spirit self can see this and it knows what you're built for. Like it knows. All right, you're, you're going to be able to go through this. You, you may not know it. You may not. When you're there, it's going to feel like you're about to like fall and not be able to get up. But this is going to be the ending is that you are going to receive all of these things. And we can't see that, you know. So I always tell people that I believe that there was this um, actual spiritual wall that we chose, that we chose, even the individuals, right down to the individuals that we meet, that we chose them in our path. That's why I always say pay attention, pay attention to conversation, be present, see what these people are here to tell you because you chose them. Mm -hmm. They chose you. You chose them. Yes. Here I am, Lord. I can do your will. <laughs> um, 
So, wow. Like, wow, you have quite this, the, 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 the past. So, um, you said that you start to learn, you start, you know, you're, you're homeless. You, you've gone through these pretty astounding and crazy circumstances in your past. When did you start building your business? When did you start to come to <laughs> Mimi the Motivator? Okay, so some kind of another way, I've always kind of been in business. I've always been an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So whether I was tutoring or doing something in the business, I started my first, like, well, that was a lie. I was going to say I started my first company in 2006, but I really started my first company when I was 16 years old, like mm-hmm. legitimate, on paper, Girl. got a business loan. Wow. Uh, Start a print company with some other teenagers. But I was super serious about business. That's what I definitely realized. I made us some money. I cut checks and I also learned. Where about did that dissolving. mentality come from? What what in your childhood made you say, get money, get money? Right. Hey, <laughs> I want to say my mom, Slick, was an entrepreneur on the low. Like, Was that her nickname, Slick? No, her name was Mimi. Oh, no. oh okay she kind of was kind of that's what slick means kind of mm-hmm. she was kind of an entrepreneur mm-hmm. because she would order stuff from this uh catalog i used to know the name of it where you could order like random Did it stuff with the f it's something like it's like ow, oh, i can't think of the name of it it's right probably now. still around it is. there's i'm gonna I, tell I you right now, now my people end. in cali my family in cali probably know exactly what you're talking Maybe about because you buy bulk junk yeah mm-hmm. and sell it Okay. You know, um, when I was in high school, she was buying cars from the the auction, getting my brother or my brother's friend to fix it and then sell it. Mm-hmm. So she really was doing some entrepreneurial stuff yeah. along the way, whether yeah. I realized it or not. As a kid, also, my, Sorry. my step-grandmother, I don't know if that's a thing, if you call them, so my grandmother... <laughs> She sold plate lunches in the summertime, and I was always right there with her, helping mm-hmm. her. So I've always been, I don't know, industrious. I started my first non-official business at the age of seven. I would earn two <laughs> things for a dollar. I had coupons that I designed. I cut them out, and I knew exactly who to give them to. Mm. By the time I was 13, I was selling jumbo jawbreakers at school, and then I learned what solicitation was and if I was going to continue I was not going to be able to come to school and I love school so Mm. I was like okay well we're not going to sell those Mm -hmm. Uh, I started selling drugs by the time I was probably 13 I I saw I saw your post that you put up the other day on Instagram so let me just let me just tell you guys really quick before we move on if you guys are not following Miss Mimi on Instagram first and foremost go and check her stuff out are you under Mimi the motivator yes so no matter where it is out there it's Mimi the motivator two eyes two posts that I just recently seen uh saw what's the correct is it seen or saw because my mom gets on my ass about this it depends on the the first part of the sentence. Ugh, my mom's going to kill me if she sees this. So according um, to the post I seen. Yes. Okay. According to the post that I seen, mom, um, the I saw you sage um, the actual, you said, stop, take a breath. And I was doing it with you. Yes. I was like, okay, yep. Let, let's, let's cleanse my whole scrolling right now. Mm-hmm. Let's just go ahead and do that, you know? Um, and then the next one that I saw is that you sold a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. she said, yeah. I sold drugs, I sold pussy. Yeah. I sold, and, and I was like, this girl, she like you, I love that you don't care. Yeah. And when I say that you care, but you don't care. Right. Do you right. know what I mean? Yes. I know you get me. Yeah. I'm just so that they get it. Is yeah. that you care, but you I'm, don't care. I'm transparent, but I, I'm, I'm 40 some years old and I just, I, I, I don't, I don't. Don't have time. Yeah. You don't have time. Like the, like you either, I tell people all the time, you're either going to like me or you don't. You know what yeah. I mean? And if you don't move on, I yeah. mean, come on guys. Like just, just move on. If you don't like me, then it's okay. It's, it's yeah. okay. Not everybody's going to like us. My, my bucket of F's is empty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I have no intentions of filling it back mm. up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to give more out no so you're selling drugs yeah so i sold drugs um i sold drugs until i was well into my 20s i was teaching during the day and selling drugs right after school mm. you know i was i sold drugs until i was probably about 25 All how did that whole- help you in your business now Shoot, marketing, knowing your customer. <laughs> oh, I, that's probably why I have I'm so good at teaching knowing your ideal market or knowing your ideal customer is marketing. Did you hear that everybody? So, you know, at any point in your life things can change and and you can take what it is that you learned and apply it to these different areas in your life. Like yes. I love this. Yes. Um 
when I started getting what it was called Dro Hydro back then, I knew that the college kids are, were the ones that could afford it. At a certain school, though, that was just three blocks from my house, luckily, but mm-hmm. they were usually more middle class, upper class black kids. Mm-hmm. So they had money. They kids that they're riding around in luxury cars in mm-hmm. college, so they could afford it. So I knew to get more of that than the the cheaper stuff that everybody else in the neighborhood, you know. So I had whatever you needed. Wow. So you know, I, I go by many names sometimes when I'm back at home. I might go into the wrong store and they might call me a name. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But it, at, at the end of the day, it's business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, it may have began from survival, but in that you learn a lot of skills. Survival mm-hmm. skills are, are not just knowing how to start a fire, but it's knowing how to buy low and sell high. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. just saying that's what every single business is. Mm-hmm. You buying something for a minimal cost and putting your work, your time, your touch or whatever and selling it for a higher cost. Yeah. I pay for some education and then I put my Mimi twist on there and yep. then I go out there and I sell it for more. I, I, I love this because I also feel like, you know, people talk all the time like, well, what's this? This is you're not you're not doing anything new and it's everything is regurgitated information Come just on, done up a different way. <laughs> Like, at the end of the day, that's what it is. You're going to put your flavor on it. You're going to put your, you know, and maybe you're going to be able to reach a different audience that this person couldn't reach by the way that they were doing it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't code switch anymore, because I'm for the person who hears me. You said, I don't code switch anymore. Yes. And that's what you were talking about, being earlier. in a different element of, yeah. you know. and Where I, You know, I, I talk like this. I would speak mm-hmm. when I was a Toastmaster, and I would say my speeches like this because I knew that the people were very intimidated. Mm. And I had long dreads. That was enough Girl, as it was. Girl, speak. Here's, here's so. the thing, and, and I'm going <laughs> to say this because... You know, we talk to so many different individuals, and and I and I can attest to this. Oh, good lord, um, my it hair is crazy. Does it? I can attest because here's the thing: I resonate with this, and I know so many other people that are listening are going to be able to resonate with this because um, my mom was white, white, okay, Southern yeah. Belle, Georgia, uh, Madison, Georgia, and her family Ooh. came from wealth and <laughs> the colonial home, like big white colonial yeah. pillar home. They yeah. came from old money. They were smart with their money. Um, I didn't grow up over there. Yeah. I grew up in Colorado with my dad's family, all Latino, Mexican, you know, but I was the whitest of them all. So they called me Huera. Yeah. And I really struggled with that my whole life, almost to the point of hating my white skin. Honey, they um, call me white girl. So, <laughs> yeah. So, or my, you know, Whitney always talks about yellow. Like she's yellow. She's yeah. a yellow black girl mm-hmm. um, because she wasn't dark enough. Um, and so I can resonate with that. And when I went into these different places, I found myself, you know, it's very easy. Like you said, like you go to Nashville, you know, I get around my Latino people. Then my, a little bit more of my chola comes out. You know, if I get around my hood girls, a little bit of my hood comes out. Um, and those are all pieces of me. Those those are all pieces of me. Um, but at the end of the day, my core of who I am is going to show in everything that I do. You know, there is a little hood in Leah. There is a little bit. Um, but I also like the fact that you said is that, you know, people will walk into the room and, Okay, now I'm going to be prim and proper. And when I went to Georgia, when I was around my family over there, it was sit up straight, girl, mm-hmm. cross your legs, you know. And we didn't cross our legs like this. You right. cross your legs off oh, to the I know side. I do it, honey. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I know. I, we look. We're from the hood, but we were raised with class, so it blows people's mind. Because mm-hmm. people always say, "Oh, y'all act like y'all not from around here." But my Grammy was raised with class, so she mm-hmm. raised us with class. Mm-hmm. So we have like some super high standards for the type of. <laughs> socioeconomic background that we come mm-hmm. from but it, it's that same thing mm. like I said my grandma says you know you don't have to speak that way you know <laughs> yes. you know my great you know I, when oh you watch gosh. those movies where it's 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 the mom that makes you sit up and wants you to date oh, yeah. this guy oh and yeah da, da, da. yes that that's Grammy my my mom was disowned by her family when she oh I'm sure that's what I was my brain was I was ooh, a girl I was like <laughs> I can't wait till we cut this out because I gotta ask but yes. yes because I can only imagine I'm from the South, Mm -hmm. and that's what I tell people. It's very different. Racism is different there than it is here. Mm -hmm. Down there, it is very in-your-face. It's very accepted, like, okay, you don't like me. I don't like you. Okay, you stay over there. I stay over here. Mm -hmm. Where here, it's very different it's covert Mm. you know you have to deal with the microaggressions or the the white emails or the white you know what i'm saying it's a lot going on it's so many different dynamics and i'm like i don't really have time for this and it's probably why i don't come out of the house when i'm here Mm. because it's it's not safe Mm. (laughs) 
Gosh, that is a heavy, that is a heavy thing to say. Um, it's a heavy thing to hear, you know, um, that there are still people that don't feel safe in the environment that they're in where we think that, hey, everybody, land of the free, like we, you know what I mean? When it's very still present oh. in our society. I never experienced it the way I've experienced it until I moved here. Oof. And even harder from, to hear. I'm from Nashville, y'all. Damn. That's even harder to hear, my Coloradans, because, you know, I grew up here since I uh, I was born in Texas, uh, Houston, Texas. Yeah. And um, grew up here, though, since I was, you know, they brought me back when I was one years old. And so I've grown up here and I love this city. I love this town. But more and more I hear when I'm talking to my gay brothers and sisters, when I'm talking to my black brothers and sisters that they're like, you know, you don't like you, you don't understand. It's different yeah. here. And I'm like. Really, like, I, and it's maybe the, the, I know growing up in, in having my Mexican family and having, you know, my, my cousins and, you know, they were all browner than me for sure. You know, very, they look Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> um, when we were places, it, you know, we got, we got, we got looked at a certain way, but I was already rebelling in my, you know, I was like being, yeah. you know, running to the streets, trying to find my family, people that love me because mm-hmm. my mom was not emotionally connected with me. And mom, I love you. But the truth of the matter was I was a latchkey kid yeah. and came home. My sister was the one that was pretty much raising me. My mom was working. My dad was working and uh, yeah. I was missing that emotional connection. So I sat it out in the streets, you know, hey, that's what parents were doing, what they knew to do. Yes. Yes. And so long, long, long time. I, I resented my mom for it. Like, and, you know, had, had my little you know, fits about it. Yeah. And then when I came to like, look, okay, she was doing the best that she could because mm-hmm. finding out how my mom grew out, grew up with her mom Come on. and the debutante that she needed to be and how the weight that she needed to keep and everything was about presentation. You know, I understood my mom at a different level and I was like, wow, my mom just wanted to get away from all of it. You know, they were telling her you were going to marry my, my, my grandfather was a Lieutenant. Uh, uh, no, he was a Colonel. He was a Colonel in the air force Academy. And, um, they wanted her to marry a white cadet. Yeah. This is what you do. This is this is the way that you need to go. And my mom said, she would tell me, she goes, it was the cadets that were trying to get in my pants and trying to, like, you know, hold me down mm-hmm. more so than, you know, your dad was a gentleman. Like, yes. he was courting me, and he was, like, he was showing me a different, you know, and it just blew me away. But And not only that, girl, but let me tell you this, that on my, my dad's side, they didn't like my mom. I'm sure. Because she was white. Exactly. And they wanted a mamacita for my dad. That somebody There was going to be a woman that cooked and cleaned in the kitchen, and my mom wasn't having it. Yeah. You know, she she had her little entrepreneurship <laughs> skills, which I attest mine to now because I, I can see that there's a lot of her in me. Ooh, you just get, I, I think I know where it came from, y'all. So what? if you don't know, if you don't have any third world country mm-hmm. people in your family, mm-hmm. <laughs> They are natural entrepreneurs. So I have Caribbean. I'm from the Caribbean in a sense, like on my dad's side. Mm -hmm. We're second generation Cuban Americans, but my great grandmother is Jamaican. But everything. So my grandfather was a pimp. Mm. (laughs) The name of my company was his construction company. His company was the Feel Rich Company. Mm -hmm. I'm the Feel Rich Group. (laughs) But (laughs) but it, it just dawned on me that. My grandmother did everything. I didn't even realize how old she was until she passed away. Mm. But she was taking care of me, and I was like seven. She was like seventy something. But if we were going to the beach, she made a swimming suit. Whatever I wanted, some juice. She went out to the backyard and got uh, orange or whatever off the tree and made juice. Mm. Like everything she did, everything by hand. You know, like I think that's another space where we get sometimes some stuff is just in your DNA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. And that's what I think. And that he listening to you, it just sparked that. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm connecting dots today. She got me connecting dots. Yeah, over yeah. Here. <laughs> I'm being analyzed. She's be she's 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 getting the epiphanies as well. Yeah, I love it. No, I love it. That's I wanna awesome. I wanna dive a little bit more in because um, it gives me a little bit more about you. And and again, I, I'm just gonna say that I'm fascinated by Miss Mimi here. Um, I just know that I'm supposed to be connected to her in one form, fashion, or another. And so we're, we we are going to definitely. Um, you know, investigate that whole thing right there. But um, we talked a little bit about ego. I, I wanna, I wanna ask you a couple of questions here, and and the, I don't want these to be spitfire questions, but definitely like you know, answer them. Okay. What is one thing in your life that you've chased that you no longer pursue? 
probably if you asked me this question just a few months ago, I probably would have said money. Mm-hmm. Because whatever you tend to chase runs from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But no, I think the real thing that I do chase is I chase relationship with my family. Mm. Yeah, family in Nashville, Mississippi, all just uh, all of them. Just all trying to get to know family them a little bit more. Family is super important to me. Anybody mm-hmm. who knows me knows knows that. Mm-hmm. When you see me getting on the plane, I am going to go see my family. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell y'all the last time I took a like real vacation. All my trips are to go see a different family member. Mm-hmm. My list, of, like my dream list of things to do, my 300, probably at least 10 are just to visit certain relatives in specific. Mm-hmm. Some of those things, some other things on that list is just to have family reunions where I can just pay for it and take my family here. Mm. Or I can take all of us to Jamaica so we can kind of retrace my grandmother's uh, roots and hop on a boat and go over to Cuba. Mm. Because family is everything. Mm-hmm. Relationship in general Mm-hmm. It's everything. So yeah. even if it's not like your born family and it's mm-hmm. your family. Okay, okay. You know. No, I love that because that's, uh, I tell people all the time is that it is not your, for me, for mm-hmm. me, because um, what I saw growing up in my family a lot was, um, gosh, you know, grudging, holding grudges, fighting. There's, there's still aunts and uncles that don't even speak to mm-hmm. one another. And I just couldn't live my life that way. Now, mind you, like I'll remove myself from the situation, you know, like I'm not going to go in. And as much as I love my family, I love them enough as well to love them from the sideline yes. sometimes. Come on, you have to. And, and I'm completely okay with that. I don't lose sleep at night, you know, because of that. Now, would I love to have a relationship with the majority of them? Absolutely. But I also know that that relationship comes with a price sometimes. And I don't know, you know, I just, my boundaries are so strong and, and I'm so strong in my beliefs that they, you know, I just, I feel like I love you and I can love you from afar. And if, if you can't accept that, then that's on you. You know what I mean? Um, but I grew up with people around my friends meant my dad always said your friends mean the world to you that your friends mean everything to you your friends are this your friends are that and at the end of the day my friends became my family and that is still the same like you know when people come here to my house I want them to feel like family like I want them to come in here take off your shoes get comfortable you hungry go into the go into the refrigerator you know what I mean um I don't care what it looks like on the outside like get comfortable in this place. Like, you know, I want you to feel comfortable in this place. Like this is your home. Mm -hmm. God didn't build this house for me. I always say that he built it for everybody, you know, and I want everybody to feel welcome here, whether you're blood or whether you're not. Yeah. It's important. I talked to a friend of mine. She was my best friend from sixth grade to college. And Mm -hmm. then we broke up in Mm -hmm. our freshman year of college. And we talked yesterday, probably for the, First time, really, Is this the like, one that maybe. we talked about that you kind of briefly told me about uh, uh, at one point that you said that you, there was a friend that you kind of lost or you... Yeah, I probably did mention her. So, because she's... Sorry. This one is... She's a, recently, you know, kind of like resurfaced in my life. You know, now she has showed... She showed up when my grandmother passed away mm-hmm. a little over a year ago. She mm-hmm. showed up when my mom passed away, you know, to the funerals or whatnot. But outside of that, we might follow each other on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But... She said something that was very powerful to me yesterday. And she was like, you know, we got to um, re get our friendship back together. She was like, because, you know, we real friends. She was like, well, really, honestly, we're not friends. We're sisters. Mm. And I was like, she hit it on the money. It's the truth. She's my sister. Like that, that feeling, like I feel like, you know, you think about a list, like when you get married, who, who you're going to invite mm-hmm. or who, as a woman, who's going to be your bridesmaid. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't seen this girl, been around this girl in over 20 years. And I've, she has grown children that I have not even met. Mm. But that would be the person, you know, because mm-hmm. that's my sister. Yeah. I feel like she's my blood, mm-hmm. you know. But I feel like our blood is, is, is thick as blood. Well, our energy, our bond is thicker, is thicker than blood. Yeah. But it runs fluid like water, mm-hmm. you know, and those kind of relationships are important. Like yes, I have a, a blood yes, sister are. that I, I, we separated <laughs> for a little while. I love how, I love how I watched you just kind of w- w- <laughs> had just, to process and no, get some I words. No, I get it, I get it, I get it. Selectively. Yeah. No, but I I'm, I'll let her know. You're not my real sister. You my my dad's child, mm. which makes you my sister. Mm-hmm. I said because my real sister, I can come to her house at any time. Mm. Because in Tampa, I have two real sisters. What I consider my real sisters, 
I don't have to make an appointment to see mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Their children thoroughly know me. Mm-hmm. They know Auntie Mimi. Yeah. All the way. I have two blood. She has two children. My little sister has two children that barely know me. Her youngest one don't know me at all. Mm. If he seen me, he probably wouldn't know who I was. Wow. You know, he's only maybe three years old, but that doesn't make sense to me. And and that's the way that it goes sometimes is that you, the people that you, the people that you, that are your family, mm-hmm. the people that are your blood or whether it's step, you know, the people that you grew up with mm-hmm. can tend to be more strangers to you than, you know, these actual people that, that, that are positioned into your life at certain times. And I love that she came back yeah, for she, whatever, you know, what, whatever had, in between happened that, that she she's back. Therapy. <laughs> she went to therapy <laughs> and then called one day. I was blowed, you know, mm. but I was very grateful because yeah. I, I prayed for mm-hmm. it. I've meditated on it, but strong boundaries. Yep. Yep. This mm-hmm. is who I am. This is yep. where I stand. Right. You know, so now she's like, well, what can I do to be a better sister? I I'm said, a, I'm a Capricorn. And oh, so that's my moon sign. Is it? So I'm a Capricorn and my girlfriend always, one of my, I always point up there when I'm speaking about her cause her pictures up there. But, okay. um, she always says, because uh, one thing, I, I can't even say that I'm working on it. I, I don't really know if I'm working on it. I've just kind of accepted it that um, in a Capricorn trade is that like when, when we're done, we're done. Like, that's it. I'm, I'm about to walk away. I'm good with it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we're done. Yeah. And um, I tend to cut people off. And, it, and so I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's just because my boundaries are very strong and I just don't have time. Like, at the end of the day, I don't have time. I've been there, done that. You know, I'm moving on. And, um, so she, she kind of, you know, tells me, well, you know, maybe you should kind of work on that a little bit, maybe, you know, and I'm like, no, I, I, I might, I might like, you know, that Lulu wants to take yeah. her ball back and not play anymore. Yeah. And so I have to recognize that as well. There's a little girl in me that, that does sometimes get her feelings hurt. So, you know, and whatever that I'm like, okay, maybe this is not that serious, Leah, to, to walk away from this, you know, but I also am very good with my boundaries that when I know that this, this relationship is, you know, it's, it's not a two way street or it's not, you know, um, we're not, you, you're, you're not either receiving something for me or I'm not receiving something for you. And it's more toxic or unhealthy than what it is bringing beneficial things or edifying things to my life. Then it's time to walk away. So, um, what is one thing, um, that you've learned in the last, and maybe you kind of already touched base on this a little bit, but maybe not. What is the, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned in the last 12 months? Stick to your basics. Mm-hmm. Stick to your basics. Stick to what works for you. Stick to who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter how much it gets challenged, no matter how much it gets questioned, no matter how much it gets delayed, deterred, dismantled, disassembled, whatever. Mm. You know, like if you have a certain routine that you know works for you, you don't have to explain it to anybody. Mm-hmm. If you know that works for you, then you do that. Yeah. If, if going to sleep during the day is what works for you, then you do that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be up because everybody else is working between nine mm-hmm. to five. You know, it's our society, especially in this Western culture of America, we have been conditioned so much to be more like machines mm. than the spiritual beings mm. that we are. Mm. We are spiritual beings. We are human beings, mm-hmm. not human doings. Yeah. So for a long time, the, I used to almost sweat to death when somebody asked me, well, what do you do? Because I didn't even know how to tell them that I don't do nothing really, you know, or that I serve or that I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. Multifaceted. You know, mm-hmm. right. Because I can teach you how to start a business. I can build a website. I can design almost anything. Mm-hmm. I can cook anything from scratch and I can teach you how to cook oh, as well. Oh, she just won my heart. <laughs> just so, my you know, I can, I can heal you. I can heal you through foods. I can tell you what to eat, what to say, what to think, how to, how to hold your fingers, what pose to do. I can, there's so much, mm-hmm. you know, that I got to a point, first of all, I could no longer separate who I was. In business or out of business. Girl, you you're speaking to me right now. I literally just had a conversation with myself and have been having with myself is who is Leah if she is not a photographer? Mm -hmm. You know, where where, you know, validation. Okay, so and this that this will go off into it. We this will have to be a part two, but the word yes, we are. (laughs) Um the word validation, you know, I've been really looking at that and you know, what am I looking for when I'm posting up my pictures? Is it because they truly make me happy and satisfied? within or am I looking for validation 
from something and who am I if I'm not a photographer? Now, now mind you, the money, the money part from it, when I'm saying like what you need to live your life, okay, what you need anything, you girl (laughs) figuring out, you know, I, I, I often tell people one of my, um, I don't want, I don't know if it's going to say weaknesses or what, but one of the things that I say is that, uh, you know, I have time, I have trouble letting go of the house sometimes and just trusting and surrendering and believing that everything is still, everything is healed. That All the money that you need, if you need it is here already. It's already here. Mm-hmm. Everything that you need, the people, the business, it's already all here. But I have trouble with sometimes just being like, you know, let go of the how girl, let go of the how, cause you just need to be in the, the, just the, here's the what what did I hear my what and my why just those two things what is the what and what is my why let go of the when let go of the how Ooh, that's powerful right there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that what is my what and what is my why and that's it like let it go from there you know and and really concentrate and meditate on those things but you're speaking to me when you say that because it take all of that away strip it away strip away the camera strip away what I can do for women or how I can make them feel although that is it's it's a passion of mine it Mm -hmm. truly truly is it's a passion I know it's a passion because I can sit in here until two o'clock in the morning with a smile on my face and happy just editing and looking at pictures and remembering the session and and how the woman felt and it it does something for me that's my way that I serve in so many different ways there's not too many people that get to say that they love 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 what they do and it's still serving it's still you know but take that away and that's been a question that's kind of been for me as well so that's that's you you you're you're talking to me when you say that (laughs) for sure sure um what is the one thing right now that you know you should be doing that you're resisting (laughs) look at her roll her eyes (laughs) so one thing definitely is probably communicating Mm -hmm. and I mean that in every area of my life because I'd rather not Mm. I'm cool communicating with myself and with my higher self Mm -hmm. you're in a perfect place of solitude I love it you know while we're there don't lose that (laughs) thought because I need people to understand that solitude doesn't mean loneliness no (laughs) man it's two different things being alone and being lonely I can be in a room Full of women and feel so lonely. Oh my gosh. I watched something oh the other day and gosh. somebody said, I felt the most alone when I was having sex. There was a point in my life that I was having sex with an individual and that was the most that I felt alone. Like, what? Yes. It, but it's it, true. Yes. Loneliness is different from solitude. Melan- uh, melancholy. Is that right. is that the right word? Are you just, you're in the state of being okay with just being with yourself. Yes. And that's how I am. If it was up to me, I probably would not leave the house. Mm, but you, I love that because it also gives me the, the feeling of knowing that, you know, cause I call myself and I, I'm going to stop saying that. I'm going to stop saying that I'm a hermit. That that's just something that also has been I'm resonating with both. me. We're going to both work on that's that. right. Because here I love being by myself and I'm in a state of solitude that I'm very peaceful and, 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 and it feels good to me. And I need to stop thinking like you were just about to say that we live in the society that will, I need to be out. I need mm-hmm. to be doing this. I need to be with my friends. I need to be having drinks. I need to be doing this. No, I'm, I'm, I'm at peace here, but it, I also believe it's because we've done so much work. Yes. You get, you get tired mm-hmm. at some point, especially when you are the type of person that pours out. Mm-hmm. And if you out there getting poured into, then yeah, you can keep going and going and going. Mm-hmm. But when you are actually serving and pouring out, using mm-hmm. your energy to heal, to transform other people, to help other people, to guide other mm-hmm. people, that is taxing. Mm-hmm. It is spiritually, mentally, energetically taxing. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And I know when I get to that spot, mm-hmm. my energy gets low. Mm-hmm. I can hear it in my voice. What do you do? I tune out. Mm-hmm. I clear the calendar. I sleep in. Mm-hmm. I meditate more. I go outside mm. and just be. Yes. I might go skate. I might go just for a walk. I might run. I might hike. I might just go stand in the sun. Mm-hmm. 
and smile at the sun and say, thank you for being here for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for warming me right now. Thank you for growing the plants and the trees. Thank you for giving us some light today. Mm-hmm. I love you for being so mm-hmm. reliable and dependable, man. You show up every single day. I don't know how you do it. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> and you might go back inside. Like, mm-hmm. I, I literally, I do what I desire. Mm-hmm. I used to say I do what I want. I do what I desire. So you said earlier that... Um, Communicating. Communicating yeah. is the one thing that you're resisting. You feel good in a state of solitude, but you know that there's something in you that is saying that I need to communicate. Yeah. So there's a there's a link there. Like and and I, I think I, I'm I'm de- well, I know that I'm definitely feeling you because there's parts of me, you know, why I've been going out or doing the things that I'm doing is because it's like Leah, I need to get out there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Your community needs to know you. Yes. You have a message that you need to speak or you have something that can reach somebody. And so I feel like that's probably our need to communicate. Yeah. Um and that's definitely hard. So how do you challenge yourself? What do you do to be able to get out there and communicate? So I just realized how in that question. When I run, I have a destination. Mm-hmm. So I have my friend drive the truck. And I have to run and pick my truck up. So this morning to get here, I have to run and pick my truck up. Mm. So that means I have to get up by a certain time mm-hmm. because I have to have enough time to run. And it's super windy and I'm super little. Oh, that means it's going to take a little longer. Mm-hmm. But having that destination, having a purpose gives me the the strength, the whatever it is that is needed mm-hmm. to make that that run happen because I know I need to run. Wow. <laughs> I love okay. that. So, I love that. You're giving yourself the day. You are making yourself yes. go to the destination. It's not just about saying, hey, look, like this is where I want to be. Like this is where I have to be. Mm-hmm. And this is the work that I have to do to get there. Right. So I'll volunteer for something. Like currently I just took on the role of being an organizer for One Million Cups. That's a year-long commitment. Mm. So that means for the next year worth of Wednesdays, for the most part, that's where I will be. Mm. Which, what does that do? It gets me out of the house. Mm-hmm. It puts me in front of people. Mm-hmm. It forces me to communicate. Mm-hmm. Makes whether you accountable I want to or not. In, in some form or fashion. So you do you feel that like you're the type of person that needs that accountability, that you need that place, like that destination? Yes. You have to have that. I love I, that you just answered that in that, like you said, you just answered that in that whole form. Wow. You know, and that may be, you know, that the accountability is important for me as well because, when I work out, like I tend to not work out by myself. I've been really proud. Like yesterday I worked out by myself to, you know, the day before that I worked out by myself because the majority of the time I need somebody to kick my ass. Like I need somebody to tell me like, go, you know, get up. And so I, I it will train with somebody. Um, and, but I'm the heaviest that I've been in a long time and, and I'm not happy. I'm not happy with me right now. That's because you're protecting yourself, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you guys don't get to see behind the scenes. You guys don't get to see what's about to happen behind the scenes for sure. Um, but no, I, I love that. Um, because I, I too feel that I need that, that accountability sometimes. So let me get through these next couple of questions right here. Now, these ones are going to be spitfire and this okay. comes from, um, something that I watched that I absolutely loved and I'm going to okay. start implementing into my show. This is a fill in the blank. Okay. Okay. So fill in the blank. So I wasn't a good person when I was low vibrational. Mm. <laughs> my favorite self practice is sleep. Mm. Okay. Sleep is important, you guys. I'm learning more and more that sleep is important. It's the highest form of antioxidant, so they're better than blueberries or any kind of facial cream. Sleep. <laughs> so when you feel like you're getting more done because you're working all hours of the night, like I've done so many nights, you are actually wearing yourself thin. Yeah, for I, sure. I, I did it the other day. I did 20 hours straight. Mm. And then so. Sleep. No, I was oh. working. I, <laughs> I was, was like, up. dang, I can't sleep for 20 hours. I got hours. up at 4 a.m. and I did not retire until... 20 hours plus later, mm. I suffered the next day. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not 18. I'm not 20 something. I'm not mm-hmm. 30 something. No, I can't mm-hmm. do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You can inspire someone by showing up. Mm. Mm. Letting that one sit for just a second. <laughs> uh, my favorite question to ask somebody is, What hurts you? Mm. You guys are going to so miss out on the behind the scenes. <laughs> like You guys are going to so miss out on that part. Being a leader means? 
creating other leaders. Hmm. The way to get out of your own way is be quiet. <laughs> the last win I celebrated was I did yoga yesterday for a whole hour. <laughs> mm, I love that. You guys have to remember I just I just posted on my Instagram between the sheets the little thing that you got to celebrate those wins, even those wins, whether it's getting out out of bed today, you know, whether it wasn't hitting the snooze button, whether it was combing your hair, brushing your teeth, washing your ass, like you got to celebrate even those small wins, like congratulate yourself. It's not always about the conquering things in our life. So I love that. Being average will keep you broke. <laughs> I no longer tolerate oh, low vibrational energy. <laughs> Back to the beginning. Yin and yin. There you go, you guys. Uh, I want to just uh, show you guys something really quick. This is where you can uh, reach Mimi the to check out her website right here. If you want to contact her, you can become a member. She is a motivator. She is a speaker. She is a healer. She is energy in all different forms and fashions. You heard it from her yourself. This is where you can reach your mind, body, business. You found your tribe right here. She is your favorite motivators. Favorite motivator. Favorite motivator. Miss Mimi, <laughs> the motivator. Thank you so much for blessing me with your time. I feel like just in this little nutshell that I got to know so much more about you. And um, I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, and we have so much more to discuss. Yes, we do. <laughs> we have so much more to discuss. So, you guys, that's how we kicked it off at Between the Sheets today. We just went with the flow. We kicked it off. We decided this is what we were going to do. Um, I was excited to have her on because I see a light in her that others need to see. If you don't know who she is. You got to go and figure it out right now because uh, this woman can help you. She can coach you. You heard all of the different talents that she has. <laughs> so go and check her out. Follow her on Instagram. Check out her website. Uh, she makes herself available um, for you. And uh, I absolutely love that. So thank you for gracing us with your presence today. You are amazing. You guys, that's it. Until next time, we are out.